With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is Our Common Ground. Thank you for joining us tonight for Talk That Matters. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you in truth to power and ourselves. Our Common Ground. Good evening. You are on Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, and my co-host, Alpho of TruthWorks Network, is with me tonight. Good evening, Alpho, and welcome to you all. Good evening, Janice. How are you this evening? Um, I'm glad you asked that question. Alpha, have you ever noticed that when people ask people how they're feeling, everybody says fine, but they don't look fine? They're not acting fine. They're just uh, lying to you. Well, if I don't feel good, Most I talk. <laughs> oh, like okay. Like they okay, well, I'm not, I'm not feeling too good. I don't know. I'm just out of sorts. Um, I think that um, unlike some people, it's very difficult for me to walk away um, and I very rarely do walk away from things. I think, uh, given the political and racial climate in this country, that I'm having a hard time walking away from some of the things that I see and I hear. Um, there are times when I just don't want to know, but I can't resist knowing um i'm doing i'm doing so many things and i do want to say um to downstairs um here in boston it hasn't helped that my poor steven has been ill and i don't think he's listening because he seems to be falling asleep more than he's doing everything else following some minor surgery that he had, and then he came home from the hospital, and and he's doing well, but he still has to take pain medication. So I think I'm out of sorts about that. But I think we all should be out of sorts 
based on the kind of gamemanship and how those things that we have had to have confidence in to keep us going, to help us survive, are being uh, deliberately, intentionally, and uh, very quickly being dismantled. How are you this week? How are you faring among all of this? Well, I was doing all right till you brought me down like that. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that, Alpha. You're supposed to be holding me up. No, no. Tonight I'm... is your night. You remember that song? You do remember that old song? Tonight is going to be all right. <laughs> In addition, I can't remember tunes. I cannot remember lyrics either. But this is what we want to do. I also want people to know who are listening to us, you are not just listening to a talk radio show. We're asking you uh, at Alternative Activist Empowerment Radio, where we speak truth to power and ourselves, that you come on to our common ground. It. Um, I had a... Um, uh, um, um, a, a, a long discussion and great debate when I started doing radio about what to call the program. And, you know, I heard a Ronde. Do you remember I used to say to you and Deborah and Denise and anybody, this is not a radio show. A radio show is about entertainment. And even there are radio shows that are about infotainment. This is a program to speak truth to power. So you come, one of the reasons I didn't name it, I mean, one of the first thing that people said to me, hey, you know, what about common ground? And I said, no, I'm not going to do common ground. I'm going to do our common ground so people understand that this is about the black truth of events. Black people, because of their experience in this country, experience the American process, the American culture, very differently than others. And that includes my friends from Jamaica, my friends from Haiti, my friends from Grenada, my friends from everywhere else because of our history, because we are descendants of a slave system that whose purpose was to break our, to steal, to break our humanity. So this is our common ground. We have a lot of commonness among us that we have with nobody else. I, I, I've always wanted to... To, to, to speak about that, and I always forget to speak about it. Um, this is not the common ground or just common ground. This is about us seeing this country and this world from a worldview of descendants of slavery. As my good friend Joy DeBerger would say, we all suffer post-traumatic Slave disorder, slavery disorder. 
None of us can escape it. If you think you can escape it, um, it it's it's a, a it's about denial. So I wanted to make that point. But tonight, what I want to do is uh, for more than our near um, near twenty years. I have been saying that for us, the most important thing is for us to understand race. And one of the things that we must understand that if you don't understand how race works, the role it plays in our lives, everything else that you understand will simply serve to confuse you. And I think that that is why it's so easy uh, for us to get into modes of apathy, lethargy, and depression. Because we become so confused that once something is about us when it isn't. We're going to have open lines tonight, and I hope that you will join us here. Our number is 347-838-9852. One of the things that we're going to explore tonight is the idea that white supremacy has so much power, is so deeply embedded in America, that they would destroy everything because of that power. This is Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham. My co-host, you know, Alpha, we're going to change the show to Our Common Ground with Janice and Alpha. Did you notice I put that, um, I thought I put it on there, and then this new thing with uh, Blog Talk Radio is driving me nuts. Um, uh, I looked on it, I couldn't find the the archive show, uh, the upcoming shows to 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 do the edit to do you know where they put that I'm barely able to find the find the site itself those um <laughs> those announcements I mean for um archives uh, featured uh, upcoming they all look alike yeah they do and for those who uh, of you who have joined us in our chat room, I will let the rest of our audience know that you can join our chatters at blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG. Let, let's give some background. Uh, and <clears throat> um, I, I want to explore racism and distortions and expose the whole issue, expose some more of the issue of uh, around the issue of white supremacy because I think that all people need to understand, especially people of goodwill. Um, there are many whites and even some blacks who cannot understand how black people could be angry at whites for the centuries of slavery, colonialism, racism, and outright brutality meted out to black people across the globe. 
Anger, in fact, can be legitimate responses, especially given the history of Eurocentric oppression and the day-to-day reality of racism. But there is a reason why everyone needs to understand the genesis and the depth and the meaning and and, and really understand this whole thing called uh, white supremacy because it is different from racism. And I want to say this, and I say it lovingly, and I say it with concern for my uh, white friends all over the world, which, which I do have white friends all over the world, that contrary to what the media often portrays, the large majority of white people are beset by superiority and racist complexes. The problem is that since it has become politically incorrect to be overly, overtly racist, racism has taken on a far more subtle edge than earlier on in our history. But white supremacy is a system which assumes that white people have more privilege, has a natural privilege and superiority over others. That is the bottom line. And for those of you who may be concerned, I say that every white person who is of goodwill really needs to examine what that means, and how it plays out in your life. If you grew up in America, if you grew up in South Africa, if you grew up actually on the continent of Africa or the UK or in Ireland, understanding white supremacy is your responsibility, but it is, as you would say, not your fault. Thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground. And to claim that Chip Locke is not like Mustafa. He is an exception. He's a peculiarity. David Duke is a strange phenomenon. To somehow claim that these utterly bizarre people who often articulate the ideology that's being taught in all of the institutions of the white privileged environment are somehow viewed as being exceptions when they say what everybody else thinks. That's a privilege that goes with being and you can then claim that the real white people are like one single individual oh, I guess it's a the reality hated by my car, hated by my father, hated by my boss, hated by my instructor, not having credibility in my own environment because I dare to raise questions about the contradiction of the very things they taught me.
when it came to treating the citizens of African descent fairly, America failed. She put them in chains. The government put them on slave quarters, put them on action block, auction blocks, put them in cotton fields, put them in inferior schools, put them in substandard housing, put them in scientific experience, experiments, put them in the lowest paying jobs, put them outside the equal protection of the law, kept them out of their racist bastions of higher education, and locked them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God bless America? No, no, no. Not God bless America. God damn America that's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than humans. We must create for ourselves to save our very humanity because the fight for black power in this country is indeed a fight to civilize a barbaric country. is our common ground. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. So tonight, what we want to explore uh, with our audience is this whole idea of this cry for taking back our country and what that means. I am of the opinion that it comes out of a desperate need that is driven by white supremacy in this country, and many people who don't understand, who would deny that race is behind the entire thing, I think simply is in denial or does not understand the nature of race. One of the things that we're going to do, and we invite your calls at 347-838-9852, is to invite you about your opinion and your thoughts about this, I I think that there are many people who haven't caught up yet, but people are starting to get it, that uh, wanting my country back is uh, um, a code for many things, for many um, um, uh, things. I mean, if you look at who depends on Social Security and who depends on Medicaid and Medicare and all the programs that are being um, uh, being strangled. Uh, if you look at this effort to corporatize our government and to eliminate federal enforcement and regulations over 
um, um, many aspects of business and commerce in this country. If you look at who's, if you look at the kind of and the depth of the lobbying that goes on in this country, uh, then you might be able to get to this as an is an assault, a complete assault on um, on uh, all those grievances that that came in the face of civil rights and uh, public rights uh, in this country. And one of the things that I'm saying is one of the questions that we have tonight, if you look at all of this, and we're going to be looking at uh, some, some analysis from uh, a number of places, taking back their country at what cost? It, it seems to be a new set of campaigns when they're talking about taking back their country. And it's all happening at taxpayer expense and right in our faces. But none dare call it driven by white supremacy. There is a war now to destroy the middle class. There's a war to minimize education of even American white children. There's a creation there's an effort and a campaign to create a new permanent and white underclass public policies determined by corporate and and the wealthy elite voter suppression campaigns against poor and working poor people in this country and of course there's a continuation of racial terrorism and a public display and approval of racial slurs and denigration of people of color. Wars of all kinds at our door and at our expense. So one of the things I want to look at is something that uh, caught my eye um, with an interview with Mike Taibbi. Um, just this past week, if you listen to him in terms of what compromises have been made to have peace in Washington, you might get a clue of what I'm saying. I say it's hard to make the financial crisis funny, but you did it that is. successfully. It's a very difficult job. And vampire squids. I mean, I'm just happy I got to say that on television. <laughs> but I, I want to read you a description uh, that you wrote of sure. Sarah Palin. You called her a narcissistic, money-grubbing hack. Um, <laughs> that you love being quoted. Anyway, yeah. so Sarah Palin obviously has a lot of followers. Mm -hmm. She has. She's got the the Republican establishment scared to death. So there must be something more to Sarah than just that, huh? Well, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things that happened in the wake of this financial crisis, there was this enormous amount of, of anger and frustration in the population, and people were looking for someone to offer them a simple solution, a simple answer for what happened. And I, and I think Sarah Palin and the Tea Party, they've perfectly captured that anger. They've, they've found a way to crystallize all that frustration and aim it in a direction. I, you know, I would quarrel with the direction that they've aimed it in, but they've done a very good job at that. I want to quote something you say in the book, a brilliant phrase, and you say, a loose definition of the Tea Party might be 15 million pissed-off white people 
sent chasing after Mexicans on Medicaid by the small handful of banks and investment banks, banking companies, and then you continue on. This merger of the anger being manipulated by the investment banks and Wall Street, and as you point out, Wall Street is getting exactly what it wants, and the public is getting virtually nothing to help it. How did that happen? Well, I think what they've done is they've, uh, there are, people in America have uh, a lot of frustrations about government. They have a lot of frustrations about regulation. You talk to these people. I talk to tea partiers who own hardware stores and restaurants, and they're upset about things like health inspectors and ADA inspectors and these little nuisances that they see as being government intrusion. But they, they, they conflate that with regulation of these giant banks like Goldman Sachs and, and J.P. Morgan Chase, and they think it's the same thing. And what they've, met, what they've, they've managed to do is convince all these Americans to campaign for uh, deregulation of these massive companies under the banner of let's get the government off our backs. Well, the Tea Party is actually doing the, the work, the, the legman, legwork for the big banks. How did exactly. that happen? I mean, how did that... How did they not know that that's what they're doing? Well, I think it's, it was an organic process. I mean, uh, uh, people who say that the Tea Party isn't a grassroots movement, I think, are incorrect. I think, in some respects, it is a grassroots movement. Uh, you know, there are a lot, they were organized around a lot of local issues, but there were also powerful interests, the, the Koch brothers and other financiers. Who, once they saw this movement happening, happening, were more than willing to, to push it along and, and give it the energy and, and the resources that they needed to, to spread around the country. You know, again, I want to quote you because I think your words are just so good, and it comes to the title of the book. You say, and it comes back to what you just mentioned, there are really two Americas, one for the grifter class and one for everyone else. In everyone else land, the world of small businesses and wage earners, wage earning employees, the government is something to be avoided. In the grifter world, however, government is a slavish lapdog that the financial companies that will be the major players in this book use as a tool for making money. Right. Describe these grifters, the Goldman Sachs's, the J.P. Morgan Chase's, and how they manipulate government to, to really use it to squeeze money out of the middle class. Well, I mean, a classic example is right after you know September 2008, a lot of these companies were going belly up, and you know, Morgan Stanley and, and Goldman Sachs, they apply to the government. Uh, for an overnight change in status from investment banks to they become commercial banks overnight, which allows them to essentially collect money from the Fed at zero percent interest. And a lot of these banks turned around and they took money at zero and they lent it right back to the government at three. When's the last time anybody else in the world called up a government bureaucrat at five o'clock and said, I need an answer and got it? by 7 a.m. the next morning. Right, right. And I mean, not only that, they and, and a check for $20 billion. And a check for $20 billion. I mean, the, the, the law mandated a five-day waiting period, which is nothing right. already, right. and they got it overnight on a Sunday night, these banks. They called up on a Sunday night, and they got the change the next morning. But to come back to the point that, that you so eloquently described, the moment the banks got their money, they suddenly persuaded the Tea Party to start rallying for shutting down the government's ability to help anybody else. Not a single mortgage person, uh, person whose house was underwater, had a bankruptcy judge sort of undo the mortgage because the Senate forbade that and the banks lobbied against it. What was going on here? Well, again, I just think that there was uh, this enormous, uh, you know, sentiment against government intrusion and after the Obama got elected and they had the stimulus and the Homeowner Affordability Act, ordinary people had not seen the bank bailouts. They didn't actually see that happen. They didn't see the trillions of dollars that went to Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan Chase. But they did see these programs that went to uh, minority homeowners, poor minority homeowners, their next door neighbors. And when they, and they saw the government bailing out those people, that's when they got angry. And they, again, they confused the two issues. But you do make a. I mean, you're very generous in acknowledging that there are there are legitimate grievances. People Absolutely. have legitimate grievances against local and state governments. And it, but your point is that they shouldn't conflate that with things. On it's a, it's in a completely, two completely different worlds. The, the world of 
you know, the small business owner who has to deal with the small government intrusions, these small regulations, and this, this other world that exists up in the stratosphere where Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan Chase and, and Citigroup, where they're on the phone with these guys who used to work in their companies, and they're, and they're basically making the rules of the game as they go along. Right. That is something entirely different than what right, ordinary well, you, people you go through. You make the case that Alan Greenspan and Goldman Sachs are criminals. I mean, you make a pretty strong case for that. Why are you the only person saying that? Well, I think I'm not the only person saying that. I think there are Other a lot than of people. Greenspan is a separate case entirely, but clearly the banks during the, the mortgage bubble were engaged in uh, a massive fraud scheme that was essentially designed to, to take subprime or, or very risky mortgages and pawn them off on other people as AAA rated investments. This was something they did with their eyes wide open, and it was a catastrophe for for the entire world, basically. And there, nobody has gone to jail for this. And instead, we're we're blaming the people who actually borrowed these mortgages. They're the, they're the villains in the crisis. In the okay, and it even gets worse because the Fed that Alan Greenspan shared, that Tim Geithner ran, the New York Fed had direct responsibility for overseeing this entire complex of relationships. Direct statutory responsibility, and Geithner, when he was being confirmed by the United States Senate, said, I've never been a regulator. An outright silly false statement. Sure. And so they completely claimed lack of responsibility when they were the vortex of every piece of this. It even got worse than that. Alan Greenspan was actually encouraging ordinary Americans to take out option ARM mortgages. They were actually saying, he was actually saying that fixed 30-year mortgages were sometimes a bad idea and that people could get more value out of option ARMs, which ended up blowing up the universe. Uh, you know, it, when, a, when the world's, uh, when the America's biggest regulator makes suggestions like that, it, have, it has a lot of weight. Now, you spend a lot of time with the Tea Party folks, and you, you, know, you kind of are tough on them, but you understand, you just quote our, our former president, you feel their pain. Sure. How do you get those pitchforks directed in the right direction again? Well, it's very difficult. I think, you know, you have to try to... What I'm finding as I, as I travel the country is that more and more people actually do understand what happened. And the reason that they understand is because they're personally confronting some aspect of the financial services industry, whether it's because, you know, I met somebody in Kentucky a little while ago who lost 20 or 30 percent of his pension fund value because the state had invested in mortgage-backed securities or, or whether they've been wiped out by credit card debt or they're being foreclosed upon. People are being forced to get an education in all these things and they're slowly coming around to what happened in the last 10 or 15 years. But it's a very, very gradual process. Well, you, you said that when you were at the Republican convention last time around, you were you were unaware that in two weeks the whole economy was going to collapse and everybody no else was unaware because we just weren't paying attention. Sure. But you also talk about seeing Sarah Palin up there on the lectern and saying you were sort of prepared to kind of be bored and walk out pretty quickly and try to find your car, right? But instead something else happened. You saw this person who was saying amazing things. How do you see her role now in, the, in our culture and our political environment? I had the same reaction to Sarah Palin that I did when I saw Barack Obama speak for the first time in person. I said, this is, wow. a, this is a gifted politician. This is a person who has the ability to, to, to connect with people on an emotional level beyond even with what she was saying. The, the words of her speech, it was, it, the effect went beyond that. And I think that uh, that's continued to be true despite a lot of the, the, you know, the missteps that she's made in public. She continues to connect with people on an emotional level. She brings out these crowds, and I, I think that she obviously has a big future in presidential politics. It just remains to be seen what she's going to end up standing for. But you, you talk about the class warfare that she's created. Sure. That's a, a big negative, don't you think, for our Well, country. I was very struck in her speech by how she talked about how she was from a small town, and the small towns are where 
uh, people do the most work. And, and there was this emphasis in her we speech. We don't work in New York at all. Right, right. It was all about there are people who do work, and then there's this other group of people who apparently don't do work. And uh, these people are carrying the weight for these people. And that ended up being a prominent theme in the Tea, in the tea Party mythology, that, that they're paying the taxes, they're, they're carrying the water, and somebody else is drinking the water. And, uh, and she was very, very skillful in, in presenting that message. And who are those somebody else's who are drinking the water as well, you see it? They never say it, but it's, it's pretty clear that they're talking about low-income and usually minority people who, and immigrants uh, who, are, who are taking up most of that, uh, that burden. Are they vampire squids? No, but that's, 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 what's so, that's what's so amazing about it is that they, this mythology came at a time when we were giving, what, nine, ten trillion dollars to the banking sector out of the public's pocket, and that wasn't what they were complaining about. And, and that is what mystifies me. Why has no politician, Barack Obama or even a Dennis Kucinich or a Senator Feingold or, or Barry Sanders, so many that are really smart, or Carl Levin, stood up and explained, wait a minute, the guys who are really sucking the blood out here are Wall Street. And so let us redirect that and then claim the allegiance of that universe of people who comprise the Tea Party and say, here's whom you should be angry at. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, after, after the financial crisis in 2008, after Barack Obama got elected, I heard from a lot of people on Wall Street uh, who were sources of mine and said, Where's, where are the Democrats? Where's that politician to stand? This is a teaching moment. This is an opportunity for, for the politicians of our country to say, this is what's been happening in the last 10 or 15 years. You've been getting screwed over by these people, and nobody stood up and did that. Instead, I think the Democrats kind of took the fork in the road, and they tried to save Wall Street and communicate to their voters at the same time. It just didn't work. They were co-opted and became the voice of the status quo. Right. Last question I got for you. Who are your heroes? Is there anybody in this process where you can say, look, there's somebody who's doing it right, who is trying hard? Is anybody kind of speaking for the public? Basically, we see that you don't really like anyone. <laughs> Well, clearly, Governor, you were one of my heroes. Uh, uh, thank you, but that's not, oh that's not, not why I asked the question. No, but I mean, there, there, were, there, there were politicians in this process who, who were standing up. I mean, Ted Kaufman uh, mm -hmm. of Delaware was somebody who, who, who was uh, a great help to me. I mean, I needed people to explain a lot of this stuff to me, and it was people like Ted Kaufman. Bernie Sanders uh, was another guy. Uh, there were a lot of people on Wall Street who just were ordinary traders who called me up and, and helped me out. I, I think there are... There's an opportunity for politicians out there, and there are a few of them, Sherrod Brown, Ron mm -hmm. Merkley, uh, who, who are trying to do the right thing. Uh, but it's just a very, very it's an uphill climb for politicians in this climate. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us. And also, um, <laughs> Mike Taibbi just lays it all out. Well. And it really comes down to the war against not sharing. These people don't want to share. Well, here's the, here's the problem. This I want my country back is nothing more than a dog whistle. Uh, the dog whistle of racism, uh, class warfare, and Mike Taibbi is, I mean, I enjoy his work, but he was right about the Tea Party being uh, manipulated and pushed and told that the people who were stealing from them weren't actually stealing from them. They were victims themselves. But then you bring on a, a canard like a Sarah Palin. You know, he, he praised on Sarah Palin because she was able to read a speech that someone else wrote and read it with some... With some 
enthusiasm and compassion. But what he did not point out was this woman is a idiot. She is an idiot. She don't know a damn thing about Wall Street. She don't know a damn thing about finances. She don't know a damn thing about uh, global affairs. She didn't know that Africa was a continent. I mean, how how misplaced of, I would say, admiration. He wants to somehow draw this false equivalency about when he heard uh, a learned man like a Barack Obama speak with this vapid, obtuse, empty suit and Sarah Palin. She was empty. No one had ever heard of her. No one. Six colleges left the small town of Wasilla bleeding in red ink. And then she wanted, you know, how do you, how do you sit back and, and, and heap such, such false praise on someone who was so shallow? But, see, here's my point, and uh, we certainly invite your point to our common ground at 347-838-9852. To, in this mindset, in a white supremacy mindset, there is no difference between Barack Obama and Sarah Palin and Donald Trump. There is no difference. He couldn't possibly be. That's part of what's happening in the Republican Party at the leadership. These people are making the assumption based on their culture, how how they were culturated, that this black man couldn't possibly be as smart as more innovative, uh, more clear about the problems of this country than they are because it is their country. Because the the CEO of G, GE, because of the CEO at Goldman Sachs, because of what they're being told by the Cook brothers who are so successful and have billions of dollars, this black president couldn't possibly hold more value in terms of his leadership than them. You see, are you getting where I'm taking you? Three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two is our number if you'd like to um, express your thoughts about what this is all about. And the other thing that just really pisses me off, Alpha, and I know it pisses you off, and it probably pisses everybody else off in this audience, is that they try to make light. They say, oh, the Tea Party is not about racism. Those, They are not racist. They are just people who, whatever and whatever and whatever, who feel that they have grievances against the government. The population has become more black and brown, and 
that imbues fear when you understand the issue of race in this country. Well, Dennis, let me say, let me let me put it like this. You know, you remember the struggles of apartheid, and everyone was struggling for it, for some type of some semblance of equality. And when the dust cleared and everybody stopped chanting with their fist in the air, they had a president. And that president still had very, very little power except for the approval of the people because the financial wealth, the influential political wealth was still deeply embedded in the white supremacy that was South Africa. Fast forward to now, here in the United States. What you see now is a gathering, a culmination of wealth being pushed to the top, to the corporations. So, therefore, the same scenario will abide by you having the population. And they don't care if the population is multicolored because they are losing in that most of the United States will be, they will be the minority very soon. But what they won't be is without power and without power. Mm-hmm. And that's but, the but, same but, but Alpha, let me ask you about um, how white supremacy works in the masses of white people. I'm talking about working poor and poor white people who support this I call them the tea bigots and the Republicans who want to simply burn and slash so that there is no health or well-being with the 99ers, 99% of the population, 98% of the population. With the the 98% of the population, it's they have convinced people to stand for racial pride, if you will. I heard, I've heard mm-hmm. a very strange uh, Tea Party guy was on the radio. And the, the guy, I believe it was today, the guy asked him, what does take our country back mean? And he gave this, this multiple uh, dog whistle answer. It means taking back our, our 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 standard and our values. And I, he said nothing of substance. He simply uh, responded with talking points and cold words. And it was about our Christian values reclaiming. When did when did you lose your Christian values when you when they voted in a black man? When did you lose your Christian values when the very people the rich white corporations and the rich politicians put your money in the in the banks and the failing Wall Street. When did you lose your Christian values? And that's what they used to drive this this crusade, this mm-hmm. this religious crusade that is anchored in bigotry and hatred. And mm-hmm. regardless to whether or not they fall into that category. Keep your government hands off of my Medicare. 
That's the first exposure of who they are. They are the ignorant, they are the obtuse, and they are simply speaking in dog whistle language. And that dog whistle language is, he's not like us, none of them are like us, they don't belong in this country, oh, it's the Mexicans when the very corporate people that are funding them are the ones who are hiring them, who come across the border, are illegal. Well, if you think about it, um, during the years, if you know, and 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 I do want to um, play for our audience this clip uh, that covers the racist email that was released in Orange County by a Republican Party official and the diatribe, the racist diatribe that. Rush Limbaugh went through on Thursday on his radio program, his radio show. But one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that talk show hosts like Jay Severin at WTKK, no more in Boston. People like Imus, people like uh, Glenn Beck, and I have, I do have a, I, I think Glenn Beck is totally done in. It's almost like the fear of the black president. And, and you know, sometimes I think, well, what do these people think, that now all the black people are going to run for president? You know, it, it, it it's just amazing. Uh, we've, we, we do have a caller. We're going to ask the caller to hold just a, a bit because I do want to um, – to get through to this um, um, no I'll go we'll go to the caller six two six you're on the air on our common ground we respect you oh oh thanks this is uh Calvino man caller from California I was uh listening to conversation thank you I think that the uh like the the corporate thank media. You for your call. Oh, oh, thank you. I think the corporate media they don't really understand, or or oh, they don't understand. They 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 try to make sure the truth don't come out. They do everything to keep like if if someone came on one of those talking head shows and said the word white supremacy, they would never be on that show again. <laughs> You're absolutely well, right, right about that. There are some black right. people, Cobra Man, that don't like to hear the word white supremacy. But right. keep in mind, white supremacy is not an American concept. It was a, 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 a British concept. It was uh, a concept when... Spain and Britain began to colonialize throughout the world. So when the British uh, elite came to America, they understood from their own culturization that white was supreme, which is why they colonialized India, Pakistan, and many parts of Africa. 
and Australia. I just yeah. wanted to make that point. Yeah, You're right. Kong, People too. are afraid of the word. Yeah, they, yeah the, uh, even, even when they discuss uh, blatant racist issues such as, like, the birther, uh, the birther idiot, they never talk about why it is half the Republicans believe that Barack Obama was born in Kenya. They, they put the poll up there, but they never discuss it. They just, oh, uh, they just totally overlook that. They don't want to delve into why do these white people think that Barack Obama is born in Kenya. I think it's post-traumatic mm-hmm. Barack syndrome. I think it, 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 like, a black man in the White House hit them like 9-11 hit New York. It was just a total devastation to the white supremacist ego that a black man is going to be sitting on the throne of white supremacy. Because America mm-hmm. is the leader mm-hmm. of the free world, right? America is the leader of the free world. That person that sits on that in that White House is the leader of white supremacy in the world. And a black man is sitting on that throne who's neither white nor a white supremacist. That just rocks white people's minds. They just, that just totally blows their mind. And they, they just can't mm-hmm. believe that it was a fair fight. They have to say, mm-hmm. no, he's a Kenyan. Uh, Bill Ayers has something to do with it. Uh, somebody else. They just totally come up with every every nonsense that you can come up with. They just, it, it, they're just insane. Right? It put their brains on fire. Right. It 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 goes to the very heart of what their belief system is. It 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 does. Um and you're right, many many people, whites and blacks, try to to sidestep their complicity either their volunteer their their support of or participation in the whole global system of white supremacy yet still continue to uphold and benefit from the plethora of white privileges that underlie the dynamics of white supremacy and that is why people in Wisconsin people in Ohio people in Indiana Wyoming Oklahoma and Florida are willing to vote against their own interests, are willing to support people who they know are clueless, will embrace a proposed budget that makes no sense for anyone. And And those who manifest their ignorance very overtly are easy to spot, but those who come disingenuously with polished rhetoric, as you're talking of, of one love, unity, and we are all one people, and and I'm not a racist, and that's not racist, are harder for the sleeping masses to spot. And we have better get to the point that in spite of the proclamation by so many people that there are that they are not racist, evidence to the contrary overwhelmingly exposed the charade. Right. Yeah, I think I think Donald Trump's numbers are showing that if 
Oh, let us not the, talk about Donald Trump. I was say, if you play to the to the idiocy of these people, they will they will hoist you up. I bet you, if you got some of these southern governors and somebody came out and said, "I'm running because Barack Obama, excuse my language, is a nigger," he would be ran to like teenagers ran to the Beatles. That's right. You're well, absolutely that, right. To me, that that also that also uh, uncovers and unmasks the the level of denial that most of the American population is under. That somehow this nation has come a long way. I say this nation has come a short way, and it has a long way to go because of the I would have to call it the the evolution of how. Racism manifests itself in today's society. They don't. They don't have the 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 sheets now. They have seven hundred, eight hundred thread count sheets, and they 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 appear in judges' robes and politicians' suits and police uniforms. They have them. And why the Ku Klux Klan has never been uh, declared a terrorist organization is because if they did, they would have to get rid of most of the judges, most of the law enforcement, and most of the uh, politicians in this nation. Because that's exactly where they went. They went into hiding, and they knew very early on that they must take over the power. When Lyndon Johnson used the political power of his office and used the law, used the law, to stop people like uh, Wallace, and I don't think, um, I think that was Kennedy in office then. But when the law was used, the blind, the, the, the blindfolded law was used to stop these racists and the Klan and the birther. You know, people talk about uh, the John Birch Society as though they were some giving, some, they, they were nothing more. Then an extension, a racist extension of the, of the arm of the Klan, just like the White Citizens Council that Haley Barber so embraced, and now he's trying to walk it back, but he's still moving and looking to become president of this nation, even after he wants to uh, allow a license plate to the uh, first imperial wizard of the Klan in Mississippi, was it? I mean, it, it to me, it's just... It is just overwhelming evidence that in today's society we find uh, blacks being, you know, incarcerated at a higher level. You find the Oscar Grants. You find the victims of the Danzinger Bridge in uh, Louisiana. And it goes on. I mean, and that is, you know, the Scott sisters. You find it all throughout this nation, in the South, in the North, everywhere you go. You find it, and you find the police uh, disparage treatment and the brutality and just the double standard of of uh, justice. And, you know, if you if Pookie and Ray Ray can get 20, 30 years for selling drugs on the corner and you can't lock up people who are stealing millions, what does that say about this nation? Mm-hmm. Right. Paula, I, I think that you are absolutely on point because 
any attempt to stand against uh, this Eurocentric mindset of white supremacy with, and there are some inherent characteristics. One is racism. The other is uh, another is gender discrimination, and and what we see in regard to our policies and the political discourse on immigration is cultural chauvinism, and it is often our response to it, our legitimate response to it, is often deemed angry, ranting, racist, hateful, and are divisive, and it's a conditioned response which ignores the real issues and realities that black people have to deal with from day to day and, and implicitly supports uh, some status quo of people trying to say we need to be colorblind. How many of you out there think that we need to be working toward that we that if we are colorblind it is going to solve the race the the problem of race in America? Yeah, not, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I really don't. Thank you. Uh, um, thank you right, for yeah, your thank call. You. Yeah, thank and you. I'm glad to have you with us. You know, one of the things that we hope is that all of you out there can help us build uh, our audience, and we can start bringing people in. Uh, I brought in the the the. the um, clip with Matt Taibbi. Matt Taibbi has been a guest on this show. Uh, there are many people who I would like to um, to invite as our guests, and we're going to be doing uh, some more of that for our audience. But it's very hard um, to have people, uh, to ask people to uh, come in and talk with us and discuss these issues, and uh, we're we're not uh, building uh, our our audience as we need to. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll take your call at three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. Have we come to a place in this country where we are allowing tea bigots and the republicans? to break down everything which is good about this country and the principles for which all of us have struggled for the last uh, 50 years uh, so that they can take back their country. I'm Janice Graham, and my co-host is Alpha of the Alpha Show and TruthWorks Network. We'll be right back. You're listening to Our Common Ground. Hey, John Boner, can you come here and hold my gum? Alpha and I will be right back. Stay tuned. Hands can do incredible things. 
This is the sound of 326 hands playing Mozart. This is the sound of 10,942 hands showing appreciation. 64 hands building a house for the homeless. 142 hands swimming a triathlon. 18 hands winning the big game. And this is the sound of two hands helping to save a life. It's called Hands Only CPR, and it's recommended by the American Heart Association. If an adult suddenly collapses, call 911, then push hard and fast in the center of their chest until help arrives. It's incredibly easy and effective. Hands can do incredible things, but nothing compares to using them to help save a life. Find out more about this latest method of CPR at handsonlycpr.org. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council. You are on our common ground. And thank you for being with us here on Saturday night, Open Mic. We're talking about how far they are willing to go, at what cost, white supremacy and taking back their country. Alpha, that, that caller made uh, some, some really important uh, points. And one of the things that he talked about is that on some of these shows in mainstream media they are not they're avoiding the issue they are avoiding the question of what place race is playing in all of this very strange politics and one of the things that i remember i i very rarely listen to chris matthews's hardball on MSNBC uh because sometimes I think he's making it more of a show and some and many times I resent that he feels that he has to bring um liars on in order to show place the truth. I don't know um how you feel about that but I, I get offended by that sometimes where people feel that they really have to somehow um, uh, just, you know, bring on a Republican just because it might, no matter what that person is saying. Uh, a good example is they had the head of the Tea Party, party tea, tea Bigots Party on one of the shows on MSNBC the other night, and the guy was talking absolute nonsense. And he he was being challenged in a way that would preclude him being um, insulted when he should have been just insulted. So well, I kind of not do that. I, I, I tend not to listen to, to Chris Matthews very much. It would be the same almost as finding 
a liberal voice or a left voice on Fox on Fox News, and that's how I tend to see him. But on his Sunday show called Chris, the Chris Matthews Show, he does a better job, and I think that he does a better job because of the people that he brings on the show. They are news uh, reporters, news obser- uh, um, uh, commentators that have a little bit of brain, but at the same time, they also avoid yeah. the issue of race. He does no better. He does no better on the Sunday show because he always brings on, and I understand one thing, and I know you understand this, but let me say this. The people of color who have their faces so prevalent on these particular programs, Chris Matthews, you know, Eugene Robinson, it may be a good man at heart, but Eugene Robinson doesn't stand for what most black people feel. Eugene Robinson has been cultivated into that into that world where he has to be careful about what he says. That's why you don't see an, uh, a Michael Eric Dyson on too often. And when you do see him on so often, he has to basically come out fighting and biting. That's why you don't see a Cornell West on these shows too often, because what they say is so relevant. It's so, you know, it, it, it permeates. It perme- yeah, and it basically, yeah. you know, uh, fouls the air with the truth. How many yeah. times have you heard Chris Matthews say, what are they doing? What's Donald Trump doing? What's wrong with these burglars? You know, I saw Bill Maher this past Friday. And Ed Schultz said one thing that black people who come to these programs are fearful to say. He says it's flat-out racism. And he, yep. made, he didn't equivocate. He didn't step back from it, not one bit. And he called it exactly what it is. It's racism. And you don't yep. – Michael Steele sits there and see, this is the – he is the uh, quintessential uh, ninja that can't go home. Where is Michael Steele going to go but to the Republican uh, stronghold that uh, they don't even want him anymore? He has outlived his usefulness. Now that they've used up Michael Steele, they bring on a Herman Cain who has less, far less credibility than a Michael Steele. You know, the one thing about Michael Steele is he can talk, he can lie, he can duck and dodge questions with some type of... uh, well, low-level skill, because it is rather obvious when you ask a Republican a question, they will immediately dismiss your premise of the question and go directly to their talking points, and they will talk over any host. They will talk over anyone whose program that they're on, and without yeah. fear of not being asked back, because if you yeah. don't ask a Republican back, you have no one, because Democrats don't step forward. Yep. You don't have our phones. from the Black Caucus stepping forward. You have uh, Clyburn, you have Lewis, you have uh, the other de- the other Black gentleman, uh, and it, it it gets sickening to a point. You have uh, Maxine Waters. You have maybe four or five who are willing to come in front of uh, the, the, the Congresswoman Edwards. She comes on maybe once a month. You know, but they and, don't. You know, they don't speak straightforward to the issues. Exactly. Um, 
you know, um, there really is there really is no black voice. Three hundred one is on the line. Uh, what say you, three hundred one? Uh, thank you for calling. I respect you. Hello, um, hello, Janice, and hello, Alpha. How's it going, y'all? This is Lions Den. Lions Den, Lions how are you? Den, thanks for your call. Yeah, I was calling, um, and I, I just listened to what you guys were saying. Um, first of all, let me let me say this because I know that people were talking about the Tea Party, and you know, and see the thing is, as you really notice that. You you haven't seen the Tea Party out there protesting the way they did when when George Bush was president, or you haven't seen the Tea Party coming out there when former President Bill Clinton, and the list goes on and on and on. But when you talk about um, President Obama and 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 what his policies, when you present these policies, it's like you know that's when the Tea Party okay. We do not like this dude. We're gonna we're gonna tell him what I we're gonna tell him how we feel and blah blah blah. I don't care if he he, he listen to us or not. Um, and last year I I wrote a lot of stuff in the chat room that um, that I was involved in the counter protest with a Tea Party counter protest on the National Mall. And it's kind of funny that one Tea Party member it was kind of jokingly really kind of funny, but one Tea Party member threw threw dollars. Like, you know, it's really disrespectful to me. And through dollars, like, well, get a job. And and, it's, and basically I see a lot of, and what's really hurting me is that I see some who are African-American who joined the Tea Party, and some, one, one, of my, um, one of my colleagues was asking him, he was like, why are you joining the Tea Party? Well, I believe what, I believe what they say when President Obama is socialism. And and then one question is, what is socialism? Why why is President Obama socialist? And it's just a confusing thing that Americans listen to Fox News and they believe in this garbage and then believing to the American people they're thinking that oh President Bo- President Obama is a socialist, which is you and I both know isn't true. Well, you know what you know what Lyons. This is the one thing that you can count on. When when they when someone stands up and tells you that they aren't racist, but uh, Covina man says in the chat room, they did not mention the debt until 15 minutes after Obama came to office. <laughs> and I mean, come on, come you know they 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 like to cloud the issue. Look at where Obama's taking this country. He's destroying this country. Those are generals that they make, and they have absolutely nothing to back it up with. They don't tell. They don't. They aren't willing to understand that there's been 13 straight months of job growth. The stimulus package was a total failure from the beginning to the end. They don't come to understand that that's what kept the teachers in in their jobs. And now you've got Republican governors who are trying to take the teachers out of their jobs and the policemen, and the firemen, and so on Mm -hmm. and so on. They don't understand it's the Republicans that have destroyed this country for 22 out of the last 30 years. They don't understand that, or they don't want to understand that. And that's true. And sometimes, too, also, 
you know, in the book of the Bible, and I'm just trying to build a religious thing in, but even in the book of the Bible, that sometimes they rather believe a lie than the truth. And the news media, one, one thing about the mainstream media, they always put, put lies out there about the president. They always put lies out there that make people to believe that he's like that without even checking out the facts. And this, well, just, at, and this is mind-blowing. Look at what you Look at what you're up against. You've got senators who go on the floor of the Senate, like a like a Rand Paul, and and d- d- despite his uh, unanimous vote, his his unanimous consent vote on this mm-hmm. Libyan uh, uh, move that they made with the United Nations, he gave his unanimous consent, and then he goes on the floor and he lies about it. He's so appalled about it. Then you got John Kyle, who goes on the floor and says, Planned Parenthood, 90% of what they do is abortion. And then he follows it up with, that wasn't meant to be a factual statement. Then he follows that up by throwing his press secretary under the bus and saying, oh, no, I didn't, I didn't say that. You all quit making fun of me. Where, how, just look at, if you go, there's a timeline of, of mindless ignorance. And just walking back stupidity, clear stupidity. You got a woman out here trying to run for president, Michelle Bachman, who's who don't know where, you know, who gave that uh, 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 Massachusetts that statement she made that, that proves she has no uh, no foundation in history. Plus, she's 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 a proven liar. She's a proven exactly. liar because she has made statements on Fox News. That were totally untrue. But she's all out there, all in to become president. You got Newt Gingrich. You got Donald Trump. You, I mean, you got Sarah Palin. All of these people are faking. You know how you you see girl, little girls uh, turning double Dutch, and you see how the yeah. little girl the time and going by rocking back and forth. Well, that's what they're doing. They're rocking back and forth like they're gonna run for president. These people aren't gonna run for president. Because they can't stand under the scrutiny. When you get people like uh, Michelle Bachman, Newt Gingrich, you get people like a Mike Huckabee. You know, Mike Huckabee has a history of flaunted racism that he has basically, you know, this bit about, uh, I didn't mean, I'm in Indonesia. No, you didn't, you bastard. You never mentioned it in your book. He, He went to his book as a reference that he meant Indonesia. Not one time is the word Indonesia in his book. So when you get right down to it, these are racists. These are flat-out racists. And and if they aren't racist, they do a damn good job of basically playing to the racist crowd. The teabaggers declare, oh, we are, oh, you can't say we're all racist. And I'll go back to that same analogy that I heard on the radio. Don't take your garbage out of the house. Take it and put it in one room. And within two weeks to a month, the entire house will stink. The entire house will be infested with vermin and bugs. So how is it that you can have the racist under your tent and you're not expected to rot away, wilter, stink, and be full of vermin? How is that possible? But you never have anyone who's willing to you know, really address that issue. You've got people of of 
racist slants and re wanting to relive the Civil War, the Confederacy, the states' rights, the right. Look at what they've done in Arizona. They passed the law, and the governor will find it that you must show your birth certificate to run to be on the presidential ballot. They're wasting money. It's against federal law. It will never stand in a challenge. And it's just a waste of time to put it there, and it's just a time filler for them to have to challenge it and beat that back. Look at the voter suppression that is going on throughout the nation. And where is the Department of Justice? You know, we see what's going on. But what we need more than anything else, we need a proactive Department of Justice to give us equal protection under the law. We need a president that gets it. I agree. It. I agree with that, uh, Alpha. But uh, we need a one other thing. That gets it. You know, they said they, they taped his conversation where he basically flat out called these people, you know, stupid. And he basically said how he feels right. to to a group of his donors. And I don't know too much if that was not intended to have that microphone or have someone uh, relay that message. Because that's all they are doing. They will threaten not to raise the debt ceiling and throw the world into a global recession if they can't put legislation in that they can no other way win when it comes for it to come up for debate. Now, who is it going to hurt? It's going to hurt Goldman Sachs. It's going to hurt all your corporations. It's going to hurt the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. It's going to hurt business. And I would call their bluff. Seventy times they have raised the debt ceiling. And now because there's a black man in the White House, you're going to hold the debt ceiling hostage? Well, you held, the, you held shutting down the government hostage till you got extracted cuts on poor people. And well, right. that goes gotta... to show you how far they are willing to go, to go, and it is driven by their brains on fire in acid because a black man was elected, an uh, African-American was elected president, and they see their future. And that is what they mean about taking back their country so it will never, ever happen again. Lion Den, I know you wanted to make another point. Mm -hmm. We've got to go to break, but I want to give you the time to, to make it. We appreciate your call. Okay, thank you. You going to make it? Lion Den. Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and make your point. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, my point is that um remember, um it was my concern is also about the elite. The voter suppression, you know, when we you know all of us had record numbers of voting in two thousand eight, voting for the first African American president. Um and they, it was remember they in Philadelphia they had the new Black Panther Party, you know, protecting the voters mm-hmm. from, you know, interference, and then they made a big, and you know, the mainstream media made a big issue out of that. But as you mm-hmm. know, and remember in Wisconsin, they try to do that same same game like he did in Wisconsin and Florida from the hiding them voters, where the votes, they say, oh, we found the votes now. 
and it's, it's not voting one way or the other. And I was kind of wondering, I mean, I mean, the thing is that, I mean, we're voting for the person we want to vote for. Why now? You, why now are you saying that our votes don't, you know, basically don't count? In other well, words, that's, you know, that's a campaign of voter suppression, and it's also um, a, a signal, a message being sent to the Democratic Party and to the unions that they will do whatever it will take, including stealing elections with or without the Supreme Court of the United States to get what they need. Because, see, this is about getting what they need in order to take their country back. Lions Den, thank you so much for your call, and thank we you, appreciate um, your listenership. Thank you, Janice, we and thank you, Alpha. Thank you, Lions. We appreciate all of your listenership. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll take your calls at 347-838-9852. You're listening to Our Common Ground. Word up. Hi, this is Maya, and you are listening to Our Common Ground, Janice Grimm, talk radio that matters. Harriet Tubman, respect. Malcolm X, respect. W.E.B., Du Bois, respect. Reverend Martin Luther King, respect. Sojourner Truth, respect. Word up. It's all about respect. Part of my value suggests that truthfulness is the foundation of all human virtue. America's pathology is our denial. It is what keeps us sick around the issue of race. When I was doing clinical work in therapy, the only rule I had, and I worked with every walk of life imaginable, all the people nobody wants to work with, I worked with for 25 years. And my own You've been had. You've been took. You've been hoodwinked. Bamboozled. Let us pray. Run on my. Black Voice Collaborative at TruthWorks Network. Tuesdays, A Heart for My People with Dr. Deborah Napier. Thursdays, Fearless Mother with Denise Bowles. And on Friday, it's India Declare After Dark, Real, Raw, and Right Now. On Saturday, it's just 
damn radio with Alpha of the Alpha Show. TruthWorks Network at Blog Talk Radio. And part of my moral footing, part of my value suggests that truthfulness is the foundation of all human virtue. America's pathology is our denial. It is what keeps us sick around the issue of race. When I was doing clinical work and therapy, the only rule I had, and I worked with every walk of life imaginable, all the people nobody wants to work with, I worked with for 25 years. And my only rule to any people that stood in front of me was tell me the truth. Because if you cannot tell me the truth, then we cannot trust each other. And if we cannot trust each other, then we cannot have a relationship. And if we don't have a relationship, we have nothing. Truth and Trust. Truth Works Network. The truth must be spoken more than once. The black truth of the event. It's Truth Works Network with Alpha, Dr. Deborah, and Alex. Truth Works Network. It's where you get your truth on. A prominent Orange County Republican is accused of spreading hate. Her target, President Obama, depicted as a monkey. CBS 2 Stacey Butler is live in Newport Beach with the photograph that many in the woman's own party are calling offensive. In an email sent out to an unknown number of elected officials, Marilyn Davenport, a member of the Central Committee of the Orange County Republican Party, sent this photo along with the phrase, Now you know why no birth certificate. No average person would send this out and feel comfortable with this, that this was just a joke. Former chairman of the California Republican Party, Michael Schroeder, viewed the email tonight from another member of his party. He's calling for Davenport's resignation. He says it's not her first brush with racist rhetoric. Remember this email of the White House watermelon patch sent by the mayor of Los Alamitos? Schroeder says while others demanded he step down, Davenport defended him. And when a Newport Beach City Council member voted against installing grass turf near the beach because, quote, with grass we usually get Mexicans, Schroeder says she defended him as well. That's three strikes. We wanted to ask Marilyn Davenport about this tonight, but she hung up the phone too quickly. Davenport admitted she sent the email calling it a joke meant for her friends. She called the issue ridiculous, blaming the news media for blowing it out of proportion, then hung up the phone. The county chairman's already demanded a resignation, indicated we're going to institute proceedings to kick her off the committee because this is just unbelievably outrageous, despicable conduct. The second thing he was doing yesterday was shoring up his base. I, I, I kid you not, the, uh, there, there are a lot of factors that went into the uh, makeup of the type of speech Obama gave yesterday, but certainly in the mix is the fact of who his base is. His base is made up of people even more vile than he is. I mean, you've got, you, you've got the genuine, I mean, you've got, a lot of it is just walking human debris uh, on, on the Democrat base side, and they've got to be stoked. 
And you can go through uh, earlier this week and all of last week, the uh, drive-bys had a whole series of stories about how the left is not happy with Obama. He's, uh, he's moderating too much for him. You look at all the stuff. Gitmo still open. We're at war as much, if not more. Uh, he extended the Bush tax cuts uh, last last December. I mean that that bunch of people, those savages uh, uh, that make up the Obama base, are fit to be tied. He had to get them back, and the one way to do it is to go out and savage us. That's what they love. That's what they get off on. That is their orgasm, because these people can't find willing mates. So their orgasm is for Obama and Democrat party leaders to really take it to us. So that's one of the things that was involved in what he was doing. The second aspect that is just his nature. That's just who he is. Community organizer, agitator. There was, there was, there, there was nothing presidential. I told you the day before he's going to come lie to you. He's going to give a campaign speech, campaign kickoff speech. There was certainly nothing uh, presidential about it. And, of course, the final authority on all this, Charles Krauthammer, uh, as everybody acknowledges, uh, called it a disgrace, which it, it was. Alpha, these people are beside themselves. That was all this week. Well, <laughs> they are busy accusing everyone of what they're most guilty of. I love when you say that. Let's go to our phones. You're listening to Our Common Ground. Our number, if you'd like to join this discussion on how white supremacy is driving the politics and the destruction in America on education, the middle class, poor and working poor people, 347-838-9852. You're calling on Skype. Thank you for your call. I respect you. One one one. Greetings. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Hello, Janice. This is Sarah. Sorry, I could not get back with you. I was on the road. That's <laughs> quite all right. How's it going, Sarah? It's been it a tough week to- again. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. It is going very well out here with me. I was I was able to touch base with Kit, and he said it's not going to be a problem for me to pass on his information. I have not been able to get a hold of Theophilus, so I will still forward your, that information along as Thank well. Thank you. Thank you. So, How are so you well. holding up in all of this? <laughs> Lynn Balcall you know, refers, <laughs> refers to us openly and with glee as savages, and then there are monkey pictures going around uh, explaining why there is no birth certificate. In Orange County, California, by the way. You know, you know what, um, Janice, I have to laugh at these people when these people always like to throw around these primate caricatures on the black people. And we take we take them on and we go with it. The first thing I tell white people when they always want to refer to me as a primate, I tell them I said if you if you lift up the skin of any primate, it's white. The hair is straight. They have thin lips, colored eyes. I said they don't look nothing like me. I said I'm not hairy. I said you don't see black hairy people. I said they also you're referring to yourself. I'm not even going to answer to the names that you want to call. And if we would start throwing that mess back at them, this nonsense would have stopped a long time ago where we get insulted when they want to call us a primate and um, all out of our names. 
because primates more closely resemble Europeans. Yes. Well, that being said, Sarah, let me ask you about what extent do you think they're willing to go to destroy the country that they say they want back? These people, um, you know what, in order for you to hold a man down, you have to stay down there with him. And it has not sunk into the heads of, of these people that trying to hold us back, all black people, because I'm not going to refer to myself as a minority. I look around the globe, I see we are over 90%. People of color make up over 90%. They're the minorities on this planet. So I would refuse to ever address myself as a minority because I'm not. They want to keep black people down. They know that if we give a, a, a level playing field that we are on with the same advantages as they are, we're going to outpace them any day because they are the children. We are the adults. They are never, ever going to outsmart us on this planet. So that is why they always put up all of these objections, all of these rules, all of these props in place in order to keep you back from advancing. These people that don't know what it is to play on an evil level playing field, and they never will know. All they know is dirty tricks. So they would shoot themselves in the foot. They would do all of these things to destroy the economy just in order to prove to themselves and put the blame on a black man and say, okay, the black man did it. That is why we can't trust black people. That is why we need to do these terrible things to black people because look what he did. And these ignorant people who are out here who don't know any better listen to the Russian Limonahanity and they feed off of this foolishness because hatred, all hatred needs is for you to keep stroking the flames to keep it going. They're going to run with it because these people just want an excuse to, um, to take out their frustration or their anger on someone. And we have always been the brunt of their frustration. And that is what they are doing. They are stroking the flames to a fever pitch in order to get Massive casualty, not realizing they, they themselves is going to go go down with the ship. Well, you know, what's interesting is that they are also willing to destroy what is beneficial to, that there are so many people who are willing to go along with them based upon their culture because, I mean, you're talking about these people are dumbing down the American educational system. They're underfunding and underwhelming everything that benefits them as well. Correct. That that is their mentality. You see, these people. You see, white people have this death wish nature about them, and it comes from them being in coming from a cave environment where they always have to hustle to the death to survive in order for them to be where they are. So they are not fully developed when it comes to their brain muscle. So they feel as if though they could destroy you, they don't think in the end that they're destroying themselves. If they feel to say, as long as this black man does not get what I'm having, I'm willing to sacrifice myself in order just so you wouldn't get it. Well, in in order to destroy this president, they are also willing to bring down a certain amount of their own of yeah. white people. That way, those same white people that they will bring down with us, they can also make them believe that it is our fault that they are oh. where they are. 
They stoke that fear and they stoke that anger. Which is difficult. These people, they they operate on fear. Like I've always said, with with, with white people, they their motives. That is the reason why when they brought this religion to the African people, and told you every one of their religion, whether it be the Abrahamic, all through the Abrahamic religions for Judaism, Christianity, Islam, it all has to do with the fear of God. They always put fear. They said, okay, to know God, you have to fear Him. Now, why would somebody tell you in order for you to get to know me, you got to fear me? Don't you think you would push more people? How do you know they genuinely want to be with you because you, you're telling them they have to fear you? So you don't know what their real emotions are towards you. But that is how they operate. They operate on the fear level, on a very, very low chakra. That's how they operate. You're absolutely right. Um, and this fear is is at the pinnacle of the destruction of the underpinning of what we know as democracy and what we know as America. They're willing to set. You know, I have always said, Sarah, that one of the things one of the things that is so insidious about white supremacy is that it causes white people to eat their young. Mhm. Which is nothing new for them. It is not anything Absolutely. new for them. These, these people, they've come from a system where they've always had to rely upon themselves only. That is why they don't have a problem in leaving their elderly, sticking them away in nursing homes. They leave their children in daycare centers. They do all of these things to their children. We didn't come from that environment. We've always had the elderly have always lived with us. We've always lived in a communal-style environment. These people, it's always about me, 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 and, um, and we, don't, we, didn't, we didn't have that. In certain languages around the world, there is no such thing as an, as an I or a me. It's always been about we. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have adopted this culture by being around these people, this, individ- this rugged individuality, as they like to call it. We have to go there and strike it on our own. And then we hear people repeating this mantra. They don't know where it came from, and that's not the environment where we came from because we've always lived in a communal-type environment. I could speak for my parents. My mother and my father, their marriages were arranged. They stayed together until my father passed on. Well, I think that some of us, some of the, some of us are need to be begin to think about how we how we manage our families and our survival, which is which is um, true. Because yeah, we, I I mean we've got to get we unless until we understand uh, how this works, you know, um, in the code, it clearly says. Um, Dr. Francis Chris Welsing, and I'm 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 blowing I'm blowing. Yes, what you do, that until you understand how race works, mm-hmm. how it defines everything in our American life, everything right. else you understand will simply serve you. to confuse you. And what has happened in our community uh, and with black people is that, in my opinion, we have become so terribly confused that we have 
have become unraveled. We mm-hmm. have always been the conscience, the barometer of what has happened in America. True. And our voice, our voice and sense of principle as human beings have always risen somewhere in the discourse and it is not now and it is very, very troubling. You are very right about that, Janice, because when I look around at these this, the black church, as everyone likes to call it, the black church and the moral competence you put your fingers on, we have allowed them to come in and tell us about pushing this homosexuality agenda, trying to get black people to confirm. And even though you hear some of these churches are talking about this multiculturalism and the scandal that's going on with Reverend Jesse Jackson and what's going on with, with the homosexuality label and what's going on with him and Rainbow Push in Chicago. Do we have allowed these people to bring their agenda to us and tell us that we have to accept this self-genocide that they are pushing? This is a white European construct, this homosexuality. This is not something that's normal in African or any other tradition. Well, we you allowed- know, the other... The other part of it is, and I may differ with you a bit on this, I think that the Eurocentric mindset has some inherent characteristics of racism, gender discrimination, and cultural chauvinism. And in that, there has been an adoption of of a scourge of people who are different. Uh, I'm I'm not one of those people who thinks that somehow because a person is homosexual that sets them aside. It's just like me being a woman. I'm just a subset of another sub. I'm a, a, a being a black woman. Uh, <laughs> I just suffer two different subsets of what comes out of white supremacy, because white supremacy is a construct of white men, which which, which has been adopted by white women. Which is true, because they have always been the biggest benefactor of it. But what I was saying when it comes to this gender, with this gender issue, they always like to bring the gender issue into us. When I look at sexism and women's lib and all of these other issues about it, a person going down the street with their sexuality, I wouldn't know what your sexuality is unless you come out and you put it out there or you dress exactly. in a certain stereotypical mm-hmm. way to let people know what your sexual yep. orientation it is. But my skin color is, is first and foremost. The first thing you see is you see me. That's There's right. nothing I can do to change that. Yep. Your sexuality is you can hide that. You don't have to come out and tell yep. people what you are. So when people try Where to bring that control- and confused with being confusion. race issue, I take offense to it because it's not the same. Where our confusion in my mind, Sarah, is that somehow we think that those issues take, some of us take priority and somehow minimizes the issue of race, and it does not. Um, you know, I, I just... Uh, think that we have got to understand that everything in our life, um, as as my grandmother would say, 
It all starts with your blackness. Of course. It, it, is always, it ends with your blackness in it this country. It has always been about That's blackness. Right. That's right. We've got another call, Sarah, but I, I really I really appreciate your call and, and your being with us. And um, we have to continue this conversation. We, yep. we really have to stay on it. Thank you, sir. Yes, you always said race first. That's what I always say. That's right. That's absolutely right. Thank you, Sarah, for your call. Good to hear from you, and we will continue. 111, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. Well, thanks for having me uh, in the broadcast here. Um, It sounds like race is a big driver on this show, and I guess I would challenge the this is this is a radio program which discuss, discusses race with courage and with hope. Well, good deal. That's cool. Um, I would challenge the statement that you made that white racism drives domestic policy. I'm wondering, my first question would be, is where do you get that at? Uh, secondly, I'm wondering if I'm the only person who doesn't really give a darn what color someone is. Um, well, why does that matter? Let me just get this out. Why does respond. that matter? Well, why does that matter in any kind of discussion about public policy? First of all, you've got my statement wrong, and my statement is that white supremacy is driving the politics in our country through this movement called they call it the tea baggers movement, but it's really tea ba- tea bigots and neo republicans. Okay, That's how do you how, how do, where do you get where do you get the fact that people who are in the Tea Party are, are bigots? How do you how, prove that? Like what what, what leads Did you, you to believe that? Did you just join us? Did you just join us? No, I've heard you off and on, but I, I would like for you to, to to sum it up. I mean. You just made a statement that Tea Party people, and I appreciate the fact that you call it tea baggers. That that tells me a lot about yourself. Well, they um, call themselves tea baggers. They started out calling themselves I, tea baggers until they found out what uh, that there's a new meaning for the word tea bagger. Now, when you see a woman standing with tea bags hanging off her hat, and they've already referred to themselves as tea baggers, what else is what else is there? You, you get so offended, this feigned indignation about what they are called. And, I mean, I understand where you're coming from when you say that uh, where do we get it from. But let me say this. You have multiple uh, instances where the people from the Tea Party represent that element where this code of we want our country back. Can you tell me back from what? And why is it that they – what do they want their country back from? I'd be happy to answer that question. Go right ahead. Um, we want our country back from the grips of those who are a part of the radical left-wing progressive movement that are spending our republic into oblivion. Well, That's what we okay. want to take our country back from. Okay, okay. Well, let's take it one, one, one point at a time. Spending sure. the country back to oblivion. George Bush is the one that spent all of that money. You know, the president, our current president, has spent money to 
bailed this country out of the economic disaster left by the previous administration, who took a surplus and spent us into a 11, what is it, 11 trillion? When he came into office, there was a $5.1 trillion deficit. When he left office, it's an $11.3 trillion deficit. Now, this president, on the skirt tails of an economic collapse, has moved to spend money. They said he should never have bailed out the auto company. How did that work out? The auto company is flourishing. The auto company has pay, are paying their loans back. So when you begin to talk about him spending, this president is spending this out. This president put two wars on the books. He put two tax cuts on the books. He put Medicare D on the books. That shot the deficit up, where the other president simply borrowed it and put it on the side from China. Now explain to me how this president has spent us into oblivion. Well, well, you know, I think it's a specious argument in, in the first place. The, uh, the, 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 it didn't work. One trillion dollars in stimulus didn't work. Unemployment went up. Paula, l- and I let think me you, just I say think this. You got your, well, I, the other I'm guy not, said here. I'm not going I, to argue with you about the facts. You don't well, have not? the facts. Because why we, not? We put, because it's not my job. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good argument, huh? Thirteen straight months of job growth, but the stimulus didn't work. Explain no, it that. Didn't. It didn't work. I, think, I, I would like to. Growth? You guys are asking me to explain a lot of stuff, but you're not giving me any time to explain it. No, we don't have, to have a We don't have enough time, nor do we have enough interest in you trying to defend the Tea Party. It's been it's been very much documented about what the Tea Party is about. It's I gotta go race. because it's not you're about done. racism. Oh, 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 sure, it's not. It's I think you guys have a lot of that. fear. You guys have a lot of fear. Fear of what? The fear yes. of discussed issues, honestly. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, you don't want to discuss oh. it honestly. You come you in here with a specious conversation you, about stimulus packages. I brought up work. a question. Well, first off, your facts on the debt is is wrong and what it was when Bush left office. It was eight trillion dollars, and that was bad enough. I agree with that. Was, you. Oh, that was but bad you knew enough. It, it was bad. But where it wasn't eight trillion now, dollars. Where it was that now, you know what? You know what? You go make this. You go make your points to uh, uh, an audience that doesn't know any better. Thanks for your call. Goodbye. Six one zero. You're on the air. I respect you. I'm sorry, sir. I can't hear you. Another, another I troll. Getting, I think you're getting background noise. Six one zero is normally our brother Brock. Oh, okay. Oh, God. I just, I just hung up on brother Brock. But you see, that's that was my point from the very beginning. That those, you know, it. it his is not even the mindset of color blindness to deal with the scourge of uh, of white supremacy. White people are trying to sidestep their complicity in the system of white supremacy. They 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 still want to continue to uphold and benefit 
from white privilege that underlie the dynamics of white supremacy. And, you know, to to some extent, we just have to shut them off, Alpha. We just have to shut them off. How can you say, how can you say that the Tea Party, the Tea Bigots, have nothing to do with race? How can you ever, if you know any of the facts, and I'll just say to 111 who just called here, unless white people begin to deal with themselves holistically, which involves them reasoning and coming to terms with where they are coming from and the truth about what this thing, I want my country back, the highest that they can reach is to be patronizing and suddenly manifest their superiority complexes on a black radio show. Did I get it right? Well, you know, when people call in like that, and the, his facts were simply wrong. This president is spinning us into oblivion. How is it that in two and 2.4 years, two and a half years, that this president, by adding things that were not on the books to the books, and then you turn around and blame him for the spending when it came from the previous But, but you and I both know, you and I both know, Alpho, that these people sat and allowed, and, you know, I'm sick and tired of people forgetting George Bush. The hell with that. This is George Bush's America that he created and spent us into oblivion. He, 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 he had a pharmaceutical program and two wars that he never, ever budgeted for or paid for, and now they want to put it on the back of President Barack Obama. It's not going to happen factually. This Tea Party nonsense movement, whatever it is, paid for by the wealthy elite, supported by the money of businesses across this country, a campaign of voter suppression, a campaign of lies and and trickster game playing on the backs of the average Americans. It is about their brains on acid and fire because a man who is African American is president. End of story. It has nothing to do with debt. It has nothing to do with the deficit. It has everything to do with I want my country back, which means I want it to be led, to be represented. I want it to have a face of a white man, and I want those black people out of the White House. And you can troll through here. You can do anything you want to do here. And that's not. And if it means that I have to call people names, that's what it means. Because nobody wants to come with the truth. If you don't like the truth so much that you have to make up lies, then you're not being honest with yourself. 
look the man in the mirror. I've had it, Alpha. I have absolutely had it. I don't want to hear it. And I especially am not going to let the nonsense go on over these airwaves. Go get your own damn airwaves to, to, uh, for the propaganda, the racist propaganda about what the Tea Party movement is all about. It's invasion of the neocon Republican Party. And I am neither Republican nor Democrat. I am a black nationalist. I don't even call myself a progressive, nor do I call myself something else, a socialist. Six ten minutes back on the air. Thank you for calling back. Uh, we we really do appreciate everyone being out there, but you know. It's it's gotten really, really beyond having to One of the things I want people in the audience to, to know You don't have to listen to that nonsense You need to pick up the phone and call the uh, Congressional Black Caucus And you need to tell them you want them out front Telling the truth about what this is all about you need to tell them, you need to tell your white friends that reasoning and resolution of such issues as gender discrimination, racism, class, and other social ills will benefit us all. It is in the interest of all humanity that these issues are dealt with and not continually swept under the carpet and ignored by people who say they want to be colorblind. If you are colorblind, you are simply color. I'm blind. And that is what is done now by those that hold power and perceive that the revelation of this kind of truth will affect their greedy accumulation and monopolistic control of wealth, media, and resources. We need to explain to the white people in our lives that these people are not serving their purpose. The higher up the pyramid-shaped social structure, the more motivated people are to maintain the current social order as long as it remains the source of and reinforces their high societal status and false privileges, and that is not the white man who lives next door to me or the white family that lives across the street. The knee-jerk reactions of those who have a vested interest in veiling the truth or by those who are conditioned to blindly follow the status quo should in no way prevent the truth and legitimate experiences of many of us from surfacing and being discussed thoroughly in this society. Thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground. Um, we really do appreciate you being here. We'll be right here next Saturday night. 
Um, we're going to run out of time here. Alpha, thanks, thanks so much for being with us uh, tonight. And thank all of for your calls, Cova Man and Lion's Den. I'm Janice Graham. This is Our Common Ground. Thank you for being here with us at Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham. And for me and for my co-host, Alpha of the Alpha Show, we appreciate your listenership and your loyalty. We'll see you next week, 10 p.m., here on Our Common Ground. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.